0: You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, uh, we're continuing our series, uh, Worth Fighting For, and we've been in the book of Nehemiah, Worth Fighting For. And uh, I, I've I've done this series largely to bring us to here today because this is what God's put on my heart uh, for us as a church, and uh, this is a little bit different for me, a little bit different focus of a message. And I like to, in most messages, try to be as broad as possible and in, in in impacting all of us in having something that's for all of us. And uh, and I believe this is for all of us. But uh, you know, there's there's something about uh, Jason actually prayed this. In fact, he didn't know that this was what. God had put on my heart for today uh, when you put the set list together, but I believe that God likes to orchestrate things to really emphasize and and, and show his heart. And uh, this word is is a, uh, for me, a strong word, but it's because I believe passionately in reaching the next generation. I believe that as the church, this is our calling. This is not just for the parents in the room. There's many of you are parents, many of you are grandparents, uh, but it's for all of us. This is for all of us as the church have a responsibility to reach and impact uh, the generations after us and our generation as well. Nehemiah chapter four, uh, I actually read to you last week, uh, and this is the subtitle. If you're if you're taking notes, they want us to fight for them. They want us to fight for them. Nehemiah chapter four, verse six says, "So we built the wall." If you remember the story, Nehemiah has has said yes to God's invitation, and the invitation came by seeing a need, by seeing a burden, by seeing a problem. Uh, Israel now, for over 20 years, has been stalled in the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. They were called to rebuild the house of God which had fallen down, the temple where, where generations had encountered and worshipped the Lord, uh, but that had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and, and so now the temple had to be rebuilt, God's house had to be rebuilt, the city had to Be rebuilt, and so people came back home from captivity to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But over time, the progress stalled because the walls remained in disrepair. And last week, we talked about the importance of filling the gaps in our lives. How the gaps of the walls, the wall was only as effective as all of the gaps were closed. The wall was only as effective as every family and every individual did what they were called to do to rebuild the section of the wall they were assigned and given. And uh, if you missed. This last week or the week before, you can get the podcast uh, where we talked about the weapons of our warfare that God's given us. They were given tools to build and they were given a sword to fight with. But uh, as they rebuilt the wall... Nehemiah shows up, and he calls and rallies the people, and they built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Verse 7, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, Ammonites, the Ashdodites, heard, all the ites, heard that the walls were being restored, uh, that gaps were beginning to be closed. They became very angry. Don't be shocked when the enemy fights you when God's moving in your life. Don't, don't be shocked when, when it seems like all hell is thrown what it has against you when you've taken a step towards the purpose and plan of God for your life and family. Listen, sometimes I just know that opposition is a good indicator. I'm heading the right direction. I've just learned that over time. You know, I used to get discouraged as a new Christian. Like, if, if not everything was easy, I'd go, oh God, where are you? And then I realized, no, no, God's, God's fighting for us and He's there's going to, that if, there's, if, if something has to be worth fighting for, it means there's going to be a fight. And the gaps were beginning to be closed. They became very angry. All of us conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem, create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of laborers is failing. There's so much rubbish. We read this last week. And our adversaries said, they'll neither know nor see anything till we come to their midst and kill them and cause the work to see. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near there came, they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, in response to Nehemiah, positions men behind the lower parts of the walls at the openings. And I set people according to their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. And I looked and arose. And here's what he tells them. He says, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Great and awesome. And here's the third thing. He says, fight. So the first thing we need to do is not be afraid. And, 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 you know, in all of our lives, we have a calling and a responsibility Sometimes you discover the purpose of God by, by, by the thing that just stirs you and, and you're passionate about and, and God's place in your heart, a dream that nothing in the world can fill or satisfy, but you're called to something more than just just existing. And you know there's a God-given purpose that gets you up in the morning. And, and for some of us, we discover a purpose like Nehemiah where it keeps us up at night. We say something has to change about this. Something has to change. Something has to be done. And a lot of people, when they feel that or recognize that, they go, well, somebody else will do it. Or, or better yet, we, we get preoccupied with something that's been a part of the human story since Adam and Eve in the garden in the first fall, that people play the blame game. We become preoccupied with who caused the mess. And listen, I'm sure in a lot of situations, even in the problems in our generation, our own families, our, our our, our circumstances, our nation, we can look around and give all the reasons why things are the way they are. But when you see Nehemiah, and we saw this the very first week, when Nehemiah was moved, he began to pray. And in fact, in Nehemiah 1, he not only prays for them, but he identifies with them. He begins to cry out to God for the nation. And so he, he does something that I believe all of us are called to. We talked about the first week, taking action. He takes action, and then he stirs the people, and he says, you've got to, don't be afraid, remember the Lord. So, so it's not enough to just not worry and not fear and, and not, you know, focus on the negative. No, no, instead you've got to be preoccupied with the presence of God in your midst. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. But it's not enough to even do that. He says you have to fight. And that's what we looked at last week. But here's what he tells them to fight for. And I've challenged you through this series to find something worth fighting and living for. Which is more than just what we receive and and being blessed. And I believe God wants to bless all of us as we as we have a relationship with Jesus and we walk with God and apply His Word to our lives. We experience the blessing of God. I need God's blessing on my life. I need God's blessing on my family. I need God's blessing in this place. I need God's blessing. We we want that, but it's not enough for us to be blessed. We are called to pass that on. We are called to be a blessing from the very beginning. God calls Abraham and He. He says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, but I'm going to what? Make you a blessing. Because what God would do in Abraham wasn't meant to die with Abraham. It was meant to be transferred because God was concerned and not not in a worrying way, but he was focused on being a God of generations. God, God looks at all the generations in a moment of time and he sees the big picture. We see five feet in front of us. We see five seconds ahead of us. God sees generations after us. He sees how every decision, how every word, how every every act of obedience to God, how every decision to follow God, to surrender, to, to, to believe God, to trust, to step out in faith, how every decision affects the generations to come. And here's what Nehemiah says: He says, Remember the Lord. Great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. I think it's important that he calls them to remember the promise of God, the presence of God, but he says you've got to fight for somebody else. He doesn't say fight for your own security. He says fight for someone else. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your your households. Fight for your families, your wives, and your children. I believe, And, and if I can call us as a church today, You know, old-time preachers used to call this a burden. This is my burden today from the Lord, that we as a church would be a church that's not just concerned about us, but that we would be preoccupied with fighting for our families, fighting for our children, fighting for the next generation. God wants us to fight for them. Uh, I've got... Three kids. Two of them fall into the Generation Z category. My, the third one, uh, I had to look up what it is. It's Generation Alpha. So my daughter falls into under that category. So who knows what's coming with Alpha? But but here's what I, I, I came across. Uh, Generation Z describes those between uh, born after 1995 to 2015. Uh, usually in in the bracket of those from seven years old to 27 years old. It's one in four Americans. One in four Americans, that's 74 million people. And have you noticed, and this isn't just for the parents, have you noticed that Generation Z talks different? Thinks different? My my son is constantly reminding me of, of, you know, things that I do that, here's how he describes it, that's just so cringe, Dad. So when I found out what makes my son cringe, I just do more of it. I've been waiting for him, like, my son never got embarrassed until 13, and now, so I'm I'm like, hey, but it's all good stuff, I'm not, you know, uh, so so I, I want us to recognize that there's something different about, because sometimes we we look at another generation and try to reach them the way we were reached. And while some things transcend generations, some things don't. We, we actually... Uh, Because of what this generation, all of us have experienced in the last three years, because of COVID, because of shutdowns, because of almost seemingly crisis after crisis, we have a generation that's become more isolated than ever before, more connected through social media and through other things. In technology, the average uh, student spends four hours a day just on the phone. Some are like, that's awful, but you spend six hours on your phone. And, but but here's here 's the reality that we are connected, but we 're also lonely we 're connected but we 're also depressed, like never before I, I see people under the age of thirty that are hitting stuff that that in life people didn 't have until forty and fifty and sixty that are at an emotional state that are at a burnout state that are at a relational state and and we we have in this generation a connectedness, but we also have the most isolated and Depressed generation in all of human history. Let's talk about the spiritual condition. Two out of three of Gen Z are expected to leave or have already left the church. Twice are more likely to become atheists, no longer believe in God. Three percent of generations he's described as reading their Bibles every day. Now, now, now you could look at all of that, and, and we could we could go through stats for all of our generations. Like we I think generally there's a decline but we can have two responses. We can look at it as a problem, or we can do like Nehemiah and see it as an opportunity. We have an opportunity because the church has something that religion can't provide, but Jesus can. The church has something that that religious uh, programs couldn't provide, but the presence of God can. And the world is hungry for hope and hungry for freedom and hungry for real, lasting peace and joy. And only in Jesus do we find that. And as the church, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to bring that to them. Uh, One of the largest churches in the nation did a survey this year of all their students. They have thousands of students in their, their youth, their middle school and high school. And I wanted to share this with you because I heard this recently from their pastor and this just stunned me. These were things, they, they, they sent out a survey to kids and they said, things I wish my parents knew. What do I wish my parents knew? And they, they wrote this out anonymously. And many of their responses they couldn't even share publicly because they were so heartbreaking. But here's, here's what some of them were. Even, I, I wish my parents knew that even though my actions don't always show it, I desperately want to please them. It's written by students. I wish my parents knew how much I love them even though I don't always say it. One child wrote, I wish, dad, I, I, I wish my dad knew how much I enjoyed holding his hand even when I acted like it embarrassed him. My son didn't write that, by the way. I wish my parents knew that when they wouldn't let me date that guy, I acted mad, but I was really thankful they were fighting for me. I wish my parents knew that instead of threatening to punish me, I actually needed them to do it. I wish my parents knew that when I saw them fight all the time, it really messed me up. See, there, there, there's so many more, but but, but I, I think we oftentimes we think, whether well, they're disengaged, you know, because, I mean... There's just something about, and, and this is more than just for the parents in here because all of us have a responsibility. All of us, I'm praying that as a church, we'll get the spirit the Nehemiah has. They will see an opportunity to reach a generation that is needing something that the world cannot provide. And, and, and I wish I could tell you some of the heartbreaking stories I've heard of kids and students that are given ungodly counsel in the world. That are being told things totally contrary to who what what God's called them to be and what God says about them, what God's words promise them. But but God is God is calling the church to bring an answer because they won't find it anywhere else. The greatest fight of any generation is for the next generation. Joshua 24. Verse 14, you know this, you probably got a a sign from Hobby Lobby on your wall. (laughs) As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. That's quite a statement, isn't it? And Joshua, in, in the conversation, he's, he's, he's kind of summarizing all that God's done to the people, to the nation of Israel, and how God's fought for them and provided for them and fulfilled his promises. And, and Joshua says, listen, you might go back to our father's gods and our father's idols, but as for me and my house, we're not going to go back to what... See, see, a lot of us have inherited a lot of things from, fut- from, from past generations, that we had to overcome because what you don't overcome in your generation, your kids will have to. Can can I just speak to something like this is not a political statement, but I I found this out that that our national debt when I was born was 1.5 trillion. It's over 30 trillion now with no ceiling. And and I look at something like that and I think, what are our kids, what are we handing to our kids? That's not somebody else's responsibility. Can I speak to something more important? There's a spiritual debt we're passing on. And we can point the fingers and we can get mad at companies that don't follow God and we can get mad at the culture and politicians and all of that, but at the end of the day, we need some Joshua's to say, as for me and my house, I'm going to set the standard you may not have kids yet. That's okay. You can still make that decision. I decided with my family, the course we would go before I ever met my wife. And then I prayed for a spouse that had that same heart. That's, that's why you need to find a spouse who loves Jesus more than you. Okay. That'd be a good message. I should, Okay. He says this for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But you know what's so sad about that whole situation? I believe that Joshua meant it. And I believe that Joshua kept that. And I believe that his kids after him served God. But you know what the story is of that generation that came after? Judges chapter 1 tells us. I want to read this to you. Here's what it says. Or chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 7. For the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose that did not know the Lord. Listen, if we don't pass on what God's done in our life, then we've missed it. I know if if you're visiting today, this is not usually how intense I am, but this is serious because we're losing the war. We're winning battles, but we're losing the war. And the war is for them. It's not for us. God's done a lot in my life, I'm thankful for that. But I'm already thinking about, what can I, what can I do to impact the next generation? What can we do as a church to, to not be just a church for us, but a church for them? There's a generation that didn't know the Lord. Let me just say this, because there's some of us, and probably most of us, if we look at from the parent side, we don't feel like perfect parents. Can I just include myself in that category? Maybe you do. Okay, two of us. There's two of us that don't feel like perfect parents. The rest of us are like, no, I figured it out. It makes perfect sense. I've always known what to do, and I've always had the right answers. You know, Somebody gave me great advice recently. They said, when your kids say something that shocks you, don't let it show up on your face. (laughs) I'm still working on that one. but there's something about we don't we're not perfect parents, but we know a perfect God and you're, the next generation does not need perfect parents, but they do need somebody that will fight for them. They are looking for someone that will fight for them because I don't want to hand off the baton to the next generation, and that be the story, that, that there were people in our lives that served God as long as we were here, but the moment we passed away and the moment our generation died out, there rose a generation who did not know the Lord. Here's how to practically do this, Deuteronomy 4. I'm gonna give you some practical keys in just a moment, but Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, I love this. This was the instruction to that generation, which evidently they didn't apply. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says this, only take heed to yourself, Take heed to yourself, because it actually has to start with us. I can't lead where I won't go. So so I can tell my family and say, this is what you should do, but I've got to lead the way. So, So he says, take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Teach them what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've known. Teach that. Now, now some of that is going to happen when we set times to do it. But if your family's like mine, it's really hard to get everybody to sit down and have a Bible study together. And so you do that and you make those times. But you know what's also important is to model something. Model it as a part of. He says, "Here's what you do: take time, teach your children, teach your grandchildren. Let it be a display of your life." Do you know what I found? The greatest wounds can come from a father and a mother, but so can the greatest blessings. And you and I have an opportunity to pass on to the next generation a blessing for the fathers from the fathers and the mothers in this room to the next generation of children and grandchildren. Does Jesus care about this? Absolutely. Here's what Jesus said. He said if he says we're to be like children in our faith, we're to come to we're to come to God and come to his kingdom like little children and and the kids would come to Jesus and they they'd sit, you know, with him and they'd listen to his word and and some of us have this picture of Jesus that he's the stoic angry person or, or somber all the time and kids don't come to people that look somber. We, we all got those people in our family. Like I had, I had one that was one of my great aunts, and she just looked mean. She's and I found out she's not. She was like the sweetest person in our family, but she just had that look. So as a kid, I would hide. <laughs> and and one time I broke um, I broke one of her like pieces of fine china and knocked it over. I thought that's it, I'm done, my <laughs> life's over. You know, I who do I, to my dog, I leave all my Xbox and toys and, and <laughs> Cause I thought that was it. And, and I found out, no, she's really sweet. She just didn't show it on her face. And Jesus has joy and kids are around him. And, and the disciples would say, these kids are bothering Jesus. Let's don't let them. And Jesus says, don't forbid them to come for the kingdom is such like these. And then you know what he said? Whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it's actually better that they had a millstone tied around their neck and were cast into the sea. Wow. Well, I got serious, Jesus. That's how much He cares about the innocence and the future of kids. That's how much He cares about it. And we need to have that same heart. We need to care about it and we need to fight. And I want to give you three things that we can do. Three things. This is for everybody, this isn't just for the parents. And I know this is of special concern for the parents and grandparents in this room, but this is for all of us. This is for every single one of us because every one of us has a part to play in fighting for the next generation. Three things. Number one is we need to pray for this generation. Number one, we need to pray for this generation. I think we need to pray for the next generation to have a reverence of God. A reverence of God. What does that mean? I want my kids to have a a reverence and a fear of God, not in it of being afraid of God, but that they honor and, and respond and worship to God. So that's what I'm praying for, that they recognize the value. The Bible says this the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom, to honor and to recognize. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means that I'm honoring God above everything else in my life. And so I want to pray that the next generation has that heart. I want to pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. Because favor isn't something you earn. It's not something you've worked for. Favor is something that comes as a result of the grace and the goodness of God. I, I don't know about you, but there's a point in my life where I found out that God was faithful even when I wasn't. That God was good even when I wasn't. That God could show his kindness and lift me up from whatever mess I had made. And, and I attribute that, I have praying parents, they're here in, this morning. I, I, we, we've had praying generations. My grandma was a praying woman of God. There's people in your life that are praying for you, that are praying. We need to be that for others. I believe, here's my, I don't know if this is true, but I believe that every one of us has an encounter from God because of somebody else's prayers. That's just what I think. I think people come to Jesus because somebody prays for them. And I want us to pray for the next generation that they they experience and know the unconditional grace of God, the favor of God, that they discover, oh, it wasn't just me, but when I was broken, he healed me, and when I was lost, he found me. We want to pray for that for our kids and for the next generation. When people know that God is involved in their life in a way they didn't earn, they will begin to love him. That when we experience the faithfulness of God in our lives, that's why we need to pray for that, that our kids would have God moments, God encounters. Remember, the, the third thing to pray for is that we would pray that God would bring them godly friends and influences. Because I, I, I've discovered that, you know, no matter how much, okay, I'll tear this story. I may not share it second service. Um, I'll, I'll share it because I, I think he's, yeah, he's upstairs. So, so don't hold this against our youth pastor. Jason knows probably what I'm going to share. So, so the other day, my son's playing. He, he plays Fortnite on his Xbox with his friends, and they're, they're on there. And I, I like to be involved. It's okay, parents, to be involved. Like, like, I know what my kids, I know who's in their life. I know what they're watching. I know what's being spoken into their life. And there's some areas where I go, no, we're going to shut that down. Not because I'm unloving, but because I love them. And so, 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 so I can't, I'm seeing what their list. I'm going through. I know most of his friends that are on there, and then I see one that's uh Twerk Master J. <laughs> Don't look that up on your phone. What that is, and I, I'm like, Son, who in the world is this? He goes, That's Pastor Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I text I text Jacob and Shelby that, our kids and student ministry pastors, and Shelby said, I understand if you have to let us go. <laughs> and Jacob said, Yeah, I found out I couldn't change my username. <laughs> Did it as a joke. But all right, so so if anybody knows how to change your username, help Pastor Jacob. <laughs> oh dear Lord, pray for us. Um number number it was a decision made in his youth. There we go. Thank you, Leslie, for for saving us. Uh, so we need to pray. You know, you know what I know is that if you show me someone's friends, I can show you what their future's gonna be. So so I I want my kids surrounded. And there's so much some of that I can have a hand in. But as they get older, some of that, I, it's harder and harder to do that. So I'm praying, God, bring people into their life. Some of your, their kids, your kids are in college, they're away, they're in different places. You can, still, you can still have an impact in their life by praying that they'd be surrounded because maybe they didn't want to listen to you, but God can bring the right person at the right time at the right moment to bring exactly what they need to hear. Yeah. So we need to pray that they'd be surrounded. Number two is that we need to prioritize. We need to prioritize. So first we need to pray. And we need to prioritize. And the the way I say this is God's house in your home. God's house in your home. And so the church is, the house of God, we saw in the Old Testament, the temple and the tabernacle. And in the New Testament, God's people are God's house. God's, the church is not just a building we meet in, but it's a people we gather with. And, and as we gather, something happens in this environment. And as a church, as River City Church, we're passionate about reaching the next generation. And so we want to reach and equip and, and, and do everything we can. But listen, it starts with us. It starts with our influence. What you prioritize as a parent, what I value my kids will see. What I prioritize, they will one day prioritize. But if I don't establish something as important, you know, this happened to me just last, just last night. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm spending time alone with Jesus. And, and my daughter, she's peeking around the corner from our stairwell. She's just watching me. And you know, as a parent, like I'm 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 the I'm a disciplinarian by default, and so I'm like, get to bed. No, no, I didn't say that because I realized in the moment what she was staying up for was to watch me. And the most important thing I could do at that moment was model something that was valuable to me. I I want to have my kids see me love their mom in front of them. I want I want them to see me love Jesus in front of them. Yes, we need, a, we need quiet time. And I know, I, parents, it's, it's, it's loud and kids are loud and, and there's so many things pulling at you and you just want five seconds away. But it's okay to have a space where they see you love Jesus in front of. They see what's important. Can I just speak to the dads? Because we have an amazing group of guys that are here in the room. I want to celebrate that. You're here setting a standard, saying God matters in my life. God's house matters in my family. And I'm modeling that. And we don't always think that, you know, there's some things that today my kids don't get. That's okay. There's things that they they look at and they don't see why it's important to me. But as I continue to consistently, because they don't need our perfection, but consistency does matter. As we consistently prioritize the things of God, we prioritize God's house. Not just because we're pastors, but because the church has been life transforming for us. And I don't say that to build a church. I wanna see families built. I wanna see marriages built. Listen, you know, we've got athletes in my family. Do you know, your kids may or may not become a pro athlete, but you know what, they will stand before Jesus. So what can you do today to prepare them for that? I know the other stuff matters. It all matters. But, but what's the thing that's going to matter? Because here's what I found as a pastor in 18 years of ministry. There's some things at the end of your life that don't matter anymore. Nobody's ever going to get to the end of their life and say, man, I wish I scrolled more. <laughs> I wish I just watched season five. <laughs> all fine. All fine. But, but, but what if we live for today what's going to matter in the end? What if we live for today and fought for today, what's going to matter in the end? Hebrews 10:24 says this about as believers being connected in the church. He says, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The church isn't just a place we come to and receive from God. It's actually a place where God calls us to give to others, to share the gifts of God, to share just the grace of God in your life, to love people, to welcome people, to give hope. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another even more as you see the day approaching. The crazier things get in the world, the more we need God's house, the more we need God's people, the more we need God's word. So that's why I encourage people to get involved. I'm just telling you, if you get involved, your life's gonna be better. Because here's what I've seen. when I As the next generation, our kids will mimic what we model. I wanna model prayer. I wanna model the things of God. I, I, listen, I can't, I'm not a, I'm not a perfect parent. I have plenty of areas where I'm consistently apologizing, (laughs) you know, especially before coffee shows up in the house. So I got to get lots of caffeine in me before the kids wake up. But the next generation needs you. They need heroes. I remember when I was a kid, our heroes were astronauts. My kids' heroes are YouTube channel Stars. That's all fine, but listen, they need heroes. They need to see what it's like when a father fights for his family. When a mother sacrifices and and makes room for her family. and, and, And we do this, but I want you to understand that we're fighting. What that does actually has an impact. It makes a difference. Psalm 90 Verses 10 and 11 and 12, here's what it, verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off when we fly away. That's depressing. Oh, anyway, verse, verse 12, <laughs> wow, I'm not going to end the sermon on that verse. Uh, so here's what, here's what the psalmist says, so teach us to number our days, count our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that I'm going to like think back, well, I have, I have X number of days. Somebody here told me recently that there's like, some kind of app or website where you can type in certain factors and it calculates the day of your death. Wow, that's not something I want to join. Uh, <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I, here, here's what this means. It doesn't mean counting your days, but it doesn't mean making your days count. It doesn't mean making your days count. I think of this, my, my son's going to be 18 in five years, my oldest, so how can I spend the next five years making investment? But that doesn't mean that stops. My investment in them stops the day they move out and leave the house and hopefully take the dog with them. <laughs> I got an I awe, sorry. <laughs> Number three, the third and final point is we need to participate. And this is for everybody. Participate in the development of someone younger than you. You say, well, I'm not a parent, I'm not a grandparent. That's okay. You can you can pour into somebody. And maybe your kids are 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 far away and and it's you can't pour in pour into somebody. Pour into somebody. Disciple somebody. To, to, to let somebody know, hey, hey, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. You want to do coffee, and, and, and I'll buy you lunch, whatever it is, that you make space in your life to pour into and develop somebody that's younger than you. And that's not just kids. That's everybody. People are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking for something, and you and I can bring that. We think, well, I don't know enough Bible. <laughs> I don't know what a verse is. What if there's a question they ask? I've been preaching the Bible for 18 years. My kids still ask questions that I don't know the answer to. Again, try not to have shock on the face. (laughs) Let me get back to you. (laughs) Let me think about that one. But we can be an example. Like uh, the next generation doesn't need us to be smart, but they need us to be consistent. Consistent. Paul said this to Timothy. In fact, this is all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Bible. One generation setting example and pouring into the next. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Your actions, your words, the way you treat people, the way you love God in front of people, all of that. And I know we we don't just do that in front of people. I, I get that. But sometimes we we take things so far that we make our our life and our faith so private that even those closest to us don't see it. Or to set an example, I want to be able to tell my family, I want to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Now when I'm going my own way, don't follow that, but follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow, Follow me as I follow Christ. You know, as parents... Can I just get personal for a second? You know what's easy for me to do is point out what's wrong. We can point out what's wrong in the next generation. Jason, if you want to come down. Do you know what I found? The way to reach and the way to really build is not just to tell them what they're doing wrong. It's to elevate the good. It's to elevate the purpose of God inside of them. What, what if What if you reminded those that you're pouring into. I know sometimes, you know, you know, if you've ever gotten involved in somebody's life in a way where you start making a disciple of them, take it beyond our families. You start pouring into somebody, man, some days they're gonna get it right. And other days, when I was a youth pastor, I joined Facebook. It was brand new back then. <laughs> and I finally had to stop going on Facebook after youth group, because I'd be like, did they get it? And then I look at posts like, oh, they didn't get it. <laughs> but, but, but there are moments where we realize that, listen, life is messy. People are messy. We're messy. <laughs> but don't just speak to what's wrong. Elevate what God's doing. Call to that. Remind them. Say, this isn't who you are. This isn't who you are. Oh, oh, the world's gotten it so twisted. The world tells everybody who they are and, and outside of the word of God. You're your feelings. You're your problems. You're your emotions. You're your, and, and we, we've got all these ways we label and categorize, but what we're to do is call to the purpose of God. Say, you are who God says you are. You are who you're created to be. You are what Jesus loved enough that he paid everything for on the cross. I love this. At the very end, Nehemiah tells them at the end of that chapter So the work is great and extensive, and we're separated far from one another. I mean, that might be how you feel right now. It's too much. There's no way I can make an impact, make a difference. Things are too broken in my family, my kids are too far, my marriage is too broken. Whatever the reason is. Do you know what he says? Watch this. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Do you know what the church is to be? The church is to be the place where when something's broken, others rally to us. Where we fight with each other and for each other. That's why it's so important for somebody to know you not just come in and go out, but you actually have somebody who's praying for you, who's praying with you, and you for them. Because there's some times where I need to sound the trumpet, and I need somebody to surround me and pray me through. We all need that. And the last part of it says, our God will fight for us. The reason this is a winning fight is because God is on your side. God is fighting for your family. God is fighting for your marriage. God is fighting for your future. God is fighting for your family. He's fighting for you. I'm ask you to stand to your feet. I want to pray today for two things. I'll tell you what the second one is first. We'll pray second for this. I'm praying for those that say, I wanna have the spirit of Nehemiah. Whatever that looks like, however I'm to be a part of it, whether I have kids or grandkids or no kids, whatever, that's not what this is about. If you didn't hear this, this is not a parenting message. This is a call to the church to be the church that the next generation needs. You're going to win this fight. You're going to overcome today so that your kids don't have to fight that same demon. You're going to be free today so that your family doesn't have to fight what you've had to overcome. And you're going to leave what others didn't leave you And you're going to decide for those things that have run through your family, that it ran through your family until it ran into you. I'm praying for the spirit of Nehemiah on some men and women in this room say I'm not going to point the fingers and I'm not going to blame everybody but I'm going to show up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to prioritize and I'm going to participate I'm going to involve myself in the fight for the next generation because there's a gap in the wall but before we pray for that I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and I know this message is for the church for us to Awaken, I believe, to the heart's cry, the heart of God for for a generation that desperately is looking for answers. And we have a responsibility to bring it to them. But what we bring isn't religion. What we're to bring isn't our own good ideas. But it's the message that's actually very old. The message that all hell couldn't stop the message that's outlasted presidents and kings and empires and governments and nations that are just a drop in the bucket. It's the message of Jesus. Hope, salvation. And if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says we can, we can gain all the world, but it means nothing if we lose our soul. Like eternity matters. No amount of stuff can fill that. The number one thing that's going to matter at the end is what we did with the free gift of God, which is salvation in Jesus. Today, if you've never said yes to that, you've never received that. I meet people all the time that have been in church their whole lives and they've never said yes to Jesus. I mean, really personally, for themselves. Yeah, their parents went to church or grandparents, but they never put their faith and trust in Jesus to be their Lord, their Savior. That's what saves. Today, if you'd like to do that, very simply, I want to lead you in a a prayer of faith, prayer from your heart to God. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you say, that's me, Brian. I need God in my life. I need Jesus. I need a relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross to take our sin, our shame, what had separated us. The reason for families being broken is the problem of sin. The reason the world is in the state it's in is the problem of sin. But Jesus came to be the only answer for that problem. It looked like a cross. Today, if you've never said yes to that, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Say, that's me, Brian. I need God in my life. I need Jesus. Maybe to rededicate. Would you just lift your hands to God if that's you? If you say, that's me, I need God in my life. I need a relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you, if you're ready to be a Nehemiah, if you say, that's me, I want to answer God's call to fight for them. Maybe it looks like your family. Maybe it looks like somebody else's family, but you're going to fight for them. As a church, we're absolutely committed to fighting for, we, we're not giving kids junior Jesus and junior Holy Spirit and junior Word of God. We're, we're bringing it in their context, but we're giving them the full, because that's what they need. They need r- real and authentic encounters with God. We need some Nehemiahs in this generation. We do. You say that's me. I want to. I want to respond to to God today. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to God. I want to pray for you. you say I, I want to respond to that today. I want to fight for them. Resp- lift your hands to God, <laughs> Father. I thank you today. There's men and women in this room that are raising giant slayers in a time where giants are occupying the world and we can be overwhelmed by the giants or we can pour our lives into the giant slayers god i thank you for the men and women in this room that say god i don't know how and i don't know always who but god i thank you that we're saying yes And God, I pray for the spirit of Nehemiah to awaken a generation, to pour into the next, to fight for the next generation, to see our families transformed, to see North Iowa come to Christ, to see this city become all that God intends for it to be, to see our kids, that we pray for our families, that we pray for our cities, we pray for, God, we pray for our nation. What our nation needs can't be found in any other place but Jesus. We need revival. We need a return. God, we love you. We bless you. We're going to tell these stories to our kids because it matters. We're going to model something. We're going to fight through some things. We're going to overcome some things because they matter. We're going to fight for them. God, we love you. We love you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.